of the other uh, shareholders in that uh, uh, operation. So we believe that the National Petroleum Company must be part of that joint operating agreement to ensure that the state interest is protected. The bill also makes provision for a strategic stock requirements, basically. Every time a production, a petroleum right is granted, there will be a cost in the production rights that says that at, 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 at a certain stage, we might be required to set aside a certain percentage of uh, whatever oil or gas that we are producing for purposes of strategic stock. Now, this is very important. We've seen that with the Ukraine-Russia uh, matter, the other countries, there was a shortage of supply. Now, now, when you have a strategic stock, you then can use that uh, when we're in emergency to then uh, close this, sh this shortage of supply. Now, the bill proposes that strategic stock will be guided uh, by the National Petroleum Company, or I think the bill also said that any other company which a uh, Company of government that needs to be designated as such, the percentages and, 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 and the, the market, uh, the, the price will be negotiated with the National Petroleum Company. And obviously, I suppose we will have to do some form of research to check how much shortcomings is there and what is the requirement for so that you come to a, a percentage that must be that could be required for strategic stock. We also make provision for arbitration in case of a dispute in the bill. It's normal that sometimes when we enter into some engagements, they might dispute. So the bill provides for that. And we hope that the arbitration process will then get us to a much So the petroleum rights, honorable members, which I spoke about, which is when now at the stage where a company is producing either gas or oil, is valid for a 30-year period and is renewable for 10-year period each until the mineral is, is depleted or the petroleum resource is depleted or the company perhaps no longer wants to operate and want to do it Now, in, in the interest of deriving a fair share for the people of South Africa, as I indicated, uh, when I started that, one of the principles is that there must be a fair share for, for the country. Now, at the time when the production right is granted, it is difficult to introduce stringent requirements because we are still a, a frontier in country, a jurisdiction when it comes to the development of energies. But however, at the time of renewal, should we realize that now the holder has made all its returns, they are now making super profits. The bill proposes then that the minister can enter into a negotiation with the right holder to you know, renegotiate the terms and conditions, some, not all, some of the terms and conditions of the right. In the, and this is on the, in the interest of fashion so that uh, that principle is also uh, protected. And we do recognize that uh, this must be done in consultation with the right holder. So all the consultation, the negotiations with the right holder and the world obviously in line with the, the objects of the act. 
to ensure that also the rights of the investors are protected. There is also a provision made for arbitration should there be a dispute and that it is important for the country that that arbitral tribunal be situated in South Africa and be conducted in accordance with the laws of uh, South Africa. So since we are transitioning from the MPRDA to the absolute petroleum law, there is, of course, there will be at a time when the president uh, uh, ascends to the act, to the bill as an act, there will be applications that are pending, and we also have existing applications which are granted in terms of the MPRDA. Now the bill takes that into consideration and uh, proposes uh, provisions for a, a pending applications for those who be finalized in terms of the MPRDA as they were lodged in terms of the MPRDA. However, there is then transitional arrangements that are put in place on how they will then graduate to the new system under the Petroleum Act. And obviously, also the existing rights also are recognized, and then the, there's also transitional provisions that are provided on how, uh, for example, an expression like would have been graduates to um, uh, petroleum rights when they are due for uh, petroleum rights. And in conclusion, honorable members, uh, we do believe that this bill is very critical for the development and growth of this industry. We have seen that there is interest that is coming in the country, and our investors have made it clear that the finalization of this bill is very important today because they would like to know what are the requirements in the country before they come and invest in them. And I think it only makes sense, it gives them greater certainty to know that when I go to South Africa, I'm required to comply with one, two, three, and four. Uh, uh, so we believe that this will go a long way uh, in, doing, in providing the regulatory settings that is required by industry. And obviously, it will also contribute towards energy security and the, the fair share honorable members for the people of South Africa. We believe that the bill as it is, or the bill, the provisions of the bill, will take us to where the people of South Africa also derive. Uh, this takes us to the end of the presentation, Chairperson uh, and Honorable Members. Thank you so much for affording us an opportunity to come and present before the committee. Um, thank you very much, GM uh, and um, your team on the presentation that uh, you have made uh, before we will talk to the process to be followed can i check um we will do the normal um, way that we do it take a record the questions and then um, give a response to all of them as as presented but i will stop also honorable members if i feel that um the sub the submission uh, may uh, con, con, uh, too much for a quick response. But uh, let me check, uh, are there any questions of clarity or comments on the presentation made? None. 
Can't see hands. I'm trying to check hands. Okay, I hear, I see the hand of uh, Honorable Madobe. Is there any other hand? I see the hand of Honorable Zumula. Is there any other hand? Or in the absence of any other hand, can I give to Honorable Matoka and then Honorable Zumula? Um, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. And I'd like to welcome the presentation. I just want to request to keep my video on for issues of network because I think I missed part of the presentation as well because I was struggling with network a bit. Um, I just have uh, four questions I, that I just need clarity on. Um, the first one, it is, I just want the, the presenter to sort of um, outline, maybe it was, like I said, I missed a bit of the, the meeting because of network, uh, but just explain or outline the, the relation between state custodianship um, and, and state participation. Um, um, I think those two terms, um, I have a different understanding of what they mean. So can I just get maybe like an elaboration of what, when you say state custodianship, what do you mean? And then go you, and then you say that the state would then have 20% participation. Um, secondly, I don't know whether perhaps this would then be discussed when we are actually dealing with the bill or whatever, but I'm interested also in what informs the percentage 10% uh, for black participation. Um, also considering um, the, the state of affairs in, in South Africa currently of unemployment of black people not necessarily being as um, participating in most of the industries and all these things, even like almost 30 years into democracy. So why are we only capping that or why are we only allowing like 10%, what informs the 10%. And then the presenter also spoke about the fact that the petroleum industry is a very highly skilled um, industry. So I want to understand what measures are being put in place right now to make sure that we meet the projected um, skills needs, like in terms of training, um, in terms of identifying or even introducing courses into the universities and TVETs, uh, or even as early as, as, as high school, uh, to make sure that by the time that we are in full, um, this bill is in full complement, is in full implementation, um, the high skills that are alluded to are met. Um, and then I think she also spoke about I, I just want to understand whether that was an example or whether this is also a provision of the bill um, where she spoke about the minister would have to make an announcement uh, or put a notice as and when they make decisions, maybe they would speak about first come, the, the first come, first serve, um, or the first, yeah, the first come, first serve type of um, situation. So I want to check the first come, first served, um, was it like just an example or does the bill also look into literally that when, when an application process or a tendering process is open, for instance, they would only be looking at first come, first serve. When people want to participate in the industry, they'll look at first come, first serve and all those things. 
Um, and then the last one, it is on the issue of onshore um, explorations. Um, understanding there is an issue of uh, fracking that a lot of people um, have been speaking out against because it, it affects um, the marine environments. And essentially um, affecting the marine environments would mean that you're affecting people's livelihoods. It means that you are... Um, um, you are contributing to climate change and a lot of other things. And there are a lot of like irreversible um, implications of, of venturing into that space. Um, so I wanted to find out um, in terms of the exploration methods, does the bill um, make provision for the fact that any exploration method that is used must be an exploration method that is not going to negatively affect um, the environment, it's not going to negatively affect marine environments, and it is not going to negatively affect the livelihoods of the people that depend, like, for instance, your fishermen, uh, even families that that depend on fishing and all those things. Uh, those are the four questions that I had, Chair, in terms of clarity, because I did, I think, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, um, firstly, I also want to welcome the... Am I audible, Chair? Loud and clear, President. Okay. So I first want to welcome the presentation. Um, I will make comments from my side, Chair, um, and start by saying we as the ATM were very serious on the issue of the empowerment of Black people. And I think it needs to come out very clear and would like to see the bill also as well being clear about the empowerment of, of Black people. So it must be proper empowerment, not just um, lip service or empowerment that is um, you know, not really tangible. It must be proper, serious empowerment of Black people, particularly in light of the present realities in our country where Black people, where unemployment is seriously high, poverty is seriously high. So empowerment is critical. So on close 4.4, 4, um, we'd like to make a submission that Petro SA must house um, um, the, the assets um, you know, uh, as, as, as alluded to by this bill, because um, also maybe the that have been talking about. Therefore, if now Petro SA would is given that um, responsibility of housing, this um, is given the responsibility of housing the assets. Then what that means? It means. Um, you know, the staff component that is currently in Petro SA can be trained in order um, to, to play a meaningful role. Therefore, the retrenchments um, that would come in the future might be, or um, what might be um, somewhat um, be uh, done away with. Secondly, Chair, on uh, Clause 4.5, the principle of um, once empowered, always empowers, empowered. We see this um, as a fraudulent expression. It is a misrepresentation. Um, we reject the concept of once empowered, always empowered. Um, what we mean there, Chair, is that when black companies 
or black participants want to sell. They must sell to other black people. They must not just sell to anyone and that anyone is going to be assumed to be black or is going to be treated as black. They must be um, definitely, um, they must sell to black people, black companies. Um, So the IDC or any other funding instrument that we use to fund and assist the new owners, the old owners must be assisted, must be uh, must be used to assist the new owners as well. Um, if it happens, Chair, that black people who want to venture into something else and they want to let go of their stake, that stake must always stay with black people. That opportunity that was previously given to black people must not be lost just because. Um, um, the participant has now decided to move on and venture into other businesses. Then on clause 31, um, which is um, what I deem, um, I think, very critical for the purposes of the bill, is that it is an insult to state that the black participation, um, it is only 10%. Um, whereas 80% of the population in this country are black people. So it must be very clear, Chair, that um, we as the ATM are calling for no less than 50% of black participants. Um, Because now we need to even assume that the current participants are all 90% white owned, and that leaves or limits the black participation only to 10. Therefore, on that clause 31, um, we can't have only 10% of black participation. It needs to be at the very least to be um, 50%. Those are my contributions there, Chair. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, uh, Honorable Zongola and Honorable Matoga. The end, maybe, except to say, Mogamil, uh, uh, the, the issue for now is for us to get questions of clarity. We still have to have a discussion amongst ourselves in terms of what is the next step. If we agree that um, uh, we have to conduct public hearings in the same way, we did with the gas amendment bill, we'll have to undertake that role. We may then have to come back um, when we are done. Only when we deliberate as the committee, we will then be able to state our positions um, with regards to the bill itself as it stands. Uh, but I'm not st- stopping them from, from responding, but I don't want you to exhaust but DM and um, your team, those are the issues and the questions of clarity. I think, for an example, on the issue of uh, BE, the issue is how did you uh, um, the definition uh, arrive at? Uh, I want to look at look at them as the questions but also on the issue of the um, demographics vis-a-vis what is being proposed as percentage share of, uh, of, of, of uh, production. 
But uh, let me leave it to you for now, DM uh, and your team. Thank you so much, uh, <clears throat> Honorable Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee. And thank you so much for the questions that have been raised. Um, we are going to just stick on the questions. We're not going to um, respond to comments and some positions that have been raised in this meeting. The first one that I'm going to speak on is around the issue of offshore exploration. Chairperson, I think we all understand that um, whatever that we do as the department, it is tested by science. Um, so it is a myth that um, uh, offshore exploration affects the marine environment and the livelihood of the people. The processes that we undergo when we do um, the seismic surveys as well as offshore exploration, we've tested it with some science and, and, and uh, we've used uh, different technologies to test it. And we are confident to um, um, report to the portfolio committee that indeed it is more safer. But I think what we need to do, maybe in the next session, uh, the chairperson must request the department to come and share with uh, the portfolio committee on how is it done, because we have something like a video or a bioscope that demonstrates what is it that happens when we do these processes on offshore exploration. When we come to the second issue that has been raised by um, Honorable Matokwe on the issue of uh, the state of readiness um, as far as the skills development and human capital is concerned, hence the petroleum industry is, uh, requires or demands very high skills. Um, is that as the department, we understand that it is not only our responsibility as the department to make sure that people have all the relevant skills that are in demand in the job market. But it is the collective responsibility of all the relevant departments, science and innovation, our department and all relevant departments. But as the department, we have very competent um, entities, the MinTech and the Council for Geoscience that from time to time absorb, uh, absorb um, intense uh, for them to be exposed to the practical experience on what is it that we need in the sector. And we have outreach programs that we conduct from time to time, reaching out even to rural communities to um, showcase um, those skills that are in demand in, the, in our sector and provide some basari opportunities. The advert is released every September um, to to everyone. So that is what we are doing as, as the department. I'm going to hand over to um, the, D, the acting DG to, and, and the team to respond to other questions that have been raised. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable uh, uh, Deputy, Deputy Minister. I will then ask uh, the team to respond to all the questions. Uh, that will be Ms. Uh, Madie as well as Mamokali to assist us with all the uh, questions that have been raised. Thank you, Chairperson uh, and uh, uh, Deputy Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. 
So the, the principle of state custodianship, so we say that uh, the state uh, is the custodian on behalf of the people. So the principle is that all the petroleum, including the mineral resources in the country, they belong to all the people of South Africa. They don't belong to the state, they don't belong to individual uh, uh, companies or individual people. It belongs to all the people of South Africa, but the state on behalf of the people, then they play the role of the custodianship. So they are guarding those resources on behalf of the people. They have the responsibility to ensure that the people benefit from the development of, from the development of those resources. And they must also make sure that those resources are developed in a sustainable manner. So the environment must be protected whilst those resources are developed, and that those that development must also contribute to social development. Now, state participation. So since the state is just the custodian, they are not the owners of the resources, then we are saying as the international oil companies come to South Africa. Sorry, Chair. So as the international oil companies come to South Africa and apply for these rights to produce uh, oil or gas. Chair, I think there is a question. Chair, are you on the platform? I'm talking to myself. Yes, Honorable Langa. Honorable Langa, I thought you had the point to. Yes, uh, thank you very much, Chairperson, and apologies to interject the speaker. But uh, the audio is not quite clearer. I'm not sure if it's only myself because I couldn't hear her clearly since she started responding to. Uh, two questions. Thank you. I I don't know what uh, is in the background um, uh, that is there. I could hear, but not uh, myself. I don't know whether I must say you hear, but with something else that goes with 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 the response and the distance. Can I request how many people member next to you? Can I request some of the people who are next to you, either they lower the volume of their gadgets, and then uh, let's try and hear, and uh, fortunately you, 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 your video is off. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know what, what else can we do with um, that, uh, that um, there's something like an echo behind. And at times it's like there are people who are uh, pushing papers or, 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 or something to that effect. That's why I, I, I didn't want the, if the problem was on my side, was that's what I was asking to honorable members, whether do they share, do they have the same feeling? 
Can you try again, ma'am? But let's uh, try and request those who are next to you. I don't want to say they must switch off their budget, but can they put them at the lowest? And then uh, because you will be responding, at least they can hear you. And then minimize maybe the movement of people and uh, papers probably around you if there's such. But uh, can you continue? Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. We do apologize for it. I honestly don't know what's happening because in the bottom we are in, this is the only uh, gadget we are using that is on, the others are off. Uh, but I'm not sure, is it better now, Chair? Let's continue. Yeah, it's tough. Maybe the problem is the alcohol in the battery, but uh, can, can you continue? Uh, I do apologize on So in terms of the state custodianship, uh, I, I, I'm going to go back so that uh, Honorable Man uh, can also hear the response. The difference between the state uh, custodianship and state participation is that the state, when it comes to state custodianship, the principle is that uh, the, all the petroleum resources in the country, they belong to the people of South Africa. They don't belong to the state. They belong to all the people of South Africa and the state. Uh, they hold those uh, uh, resources on behalf of the people. So they say that its development uh, ensure that those resources are developed in a sustainable manner. They contribute towards social economic development and the environment is also protected as these resources are developed. So the role of the state is, is basically to ensure that these resources are protected and they're developed on behalf of the people and ensure that the people of South Africa also benefit from those resources. When it comes to state participation, uh, since the state is not necessarily owner of the resources, they just uh, 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 guard those for the people of South Africa. Now, as the international oil companies come and invest in South Africa, the bill or the department is proposing that we also want to have active state participation. The state, they participate in the development of those resources for the people of South Africa. Now, all the, what it means is that the 20% shareholding uh, that will be held by the state in operations will be on behalf of the people. So now, the difference is that on the custodianship, they are just uh, ensuring that these resources are guarded and they are developed on behalf of the people of South Africa. On the state participation, they are actively participating. They have a shareholding day on behalf of the people. And uh, there is a question, or there are questions that have been raised on the 10% of the business participation uh, by both Honorable uh, Madhuve and Honorable Sukuna. So when it comes to black persons participation, honorable members, we the bill is not saying that black persons can only participate through the 10%. The bill is not saying that black persons can apply for a right at any point when the minister publishes a for 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 for, for a invitations for, for rights. They can apply. What we are saying is that because we know that the Industry is capital intensive. It might be difficult for black persons to 
be able to apply for rights on their own. Then we are saying every IOC, the international web companies, as they come and operate in South Africa, they want to see a 10% black business participation, irrespective of the fact that black business can also uh, apply for rights by themselves. We also want to see the same as the state participation. So every application will have state participation 20% and, and, and then black business participation 10%. This is now, it does not take away the fact that they can still apply uh, on their own for rights at the time. On top of that, we are saying the bill proposes that the minister must then look into the majority agency has gone into a process where they 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 they, they went to the, the blogs and you know and they checked which ones are mature and which ones are still frontier. So the bill saying that the minister can then also publish uh, notices and set aside certain blocks only for black persons. So you have the 10% participation, you have those blocks that the bill says minister must set aside for black persons. And then you have the fact that they can also apply at any point when the minister uh, issues an invitation for any rights that at the time would be uh, published for. So the black person participation is not only limited to 10%, it's not. The same goes for the state participation. The state can also apply for rights, but what we are saying, the 10% and the 10% state participation is that every right that is applied for by international companies, we want to see that 10% uh, black person participation. Uh, I am with my colleagues on our channel on this end, and also uh, assisting with some of the questions. But on the ones and public always covered. So, basically, honorable members, we are saying the bill is saying that if an oil company gave 10% to a black person company and they decided to dilute it to 5% for purposes of raising funding, and during the dilution, they realize the value of that five percent. Then why are we now punishing the oil, uh, the international oil company? Say we don't recognize the ten percent when they uh, empowered the black percent with the ten percent, and they, for purposes of funding, they decided to dilute it so that they can respond to cash flows. It's it's just to also protect investment by international companies. We are saying give ten percent to black persons. But as they dilute, then we will recognize that you gave it to them and they also realize the value of the dilution. I, I, I hope that uh, I will now hand over to my colleagues uh, to respond to some of the questions. Good morning, uh, honorable members. This is Bongani Saiti uh, from the Petroleum Agency. See? Okay, on the question with regards to what informs the percentage uh, state participation, maybe let me repeat what is the overarching uh, objective of, of state participation. It is really to safeguard the state's interest in the upstream petroleum sector, meaning state participation is a lever to give effect to the state custodianship of the petroleum resources in the country. 
it is to ensure that the state receives an equitable share from the country's petroleum resources in terms of in terms of revenues flowing from there. It is to ensure that the petroleum resources of the country are optimally developed. It's also to ensure that the, the state, uh, through state participation, or the entity that holds state participation, influences decisions that are taken by the joint venture partnership in any uh, exploration of production or say production rights. So, for example, uh, state participation or even influencing those decisions, the entity that holds state participation could ensure local beneficiation, push for a, a imperative such as local beneficiation, such as increased local content, and so on. So, state participation has a broad a objective beyond that just the equity share that is held by the state. It, it enables the state to have those powers. In terms of what informs the actual percentage, it is the potential in terms of petroleum potential in the country. If a country is a what is called a proven petroleum province, meaning it is proven to be prospective, countries such as Angola, Nigeria, and so on, the percentage uh, participation of the state could be high because that country is allowed, is, is proven to be allowed in oil and gas. And investors are essentially uh, competing to get into that capital. In a country uh, that is not proven to be prospective, for example, South Africa and other neighboring countries in Namibia and so on, that are only now beginning to demonstrate that they, they do indeed have oil and gas resources. You don't, the state participation takes that into account, meaning uh, you look at the prospectivity, you look at your, your, you want to attract investment, so you want to have a framework that is attractive to investment whilst remaining equitable. Uh, and, and also the norm, because you also look at uh, your benchmark in terms of what is the norm out there. On, uh, the norm is that state participation, for example, in the Southern region, ranges between 10 and 15%. So the 20% is really in, in such pegged such that they, they, there is an increased share for the South African state. The Mozambique, for example, is 10 to 15%. Uh, Namibia, 10 to 15%. Even as far field as Ghana, uh, you have uh, up to 15%. So this is a, a, an increased state participation interest on the part of South Africa, which was not yet fully proven to be prospective in oil and gas. There was a question on does the bill provide for uh, technologies uh, in a manner that they, 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 that I guess mitigate the impact on the environment. I think two technologies were cited, uh, one being the hydraulic fracture, for example, as a technology. The other being a, a seismic a acquisitions. The bill does provide for a an environmental an environmental authorization. 
meaning before a petroleum right is issued, the, the applicants are requested to, to apply for an environmental authorization. And embedded in that environmental authorization is an environmental impact assessment in terms of the National Environmental Management Act. That environmental impact assessment must assess the potential impact of these technologies on the environment. And the, the applicant must demonstrate what mitigation measures they are going to put in place to ensure that the environment is protected. So both these technologies that have been cited go way back in terms of their use in the upstream oil and gas sector. Hydraulic fracturing uh, was already in use by 1947, so six or so decades. And even seismic acquisitions have been used internationally for more than 50 years. Yes, there are risks associated with hydraulic fracturing. For example, risk being it uses a lot of water. It could potentially contaminate water resources and so on. However, there are mitigation measures. I'll make an example in terms of where the water, uh, groundwater, meaning the water that is normally used for farming and consumption, sits, for example, eight meters up to, I'll make an example in terms of the carbon, uh, say less than a thousand meters. That is where you find the water that farmers would drain to and use. The, the shade is, is sitting at uh, maybe 3,000. 3,000 meters. So from where Shake sits to where the water resources sit is a, a, a lot of rocks that are sitting on top of that Shake For any chemicals that are used in the hydrofractal process to move up to contaminate groundwater sources, you would have to have a leak in the pipeline or in the, in the well that we have drilled. But these wells are drilled in a manner that you have cement and, and steel that covers that well such that there are no leakages to groundwater sources. So there, there are mitigation measures that are proven and that have worked for decades in the United States and elsewhere in terms of preventing the potential risks that could arise from hydraulic fracturing. And even seismic surveys, I think I've mentioned they've been used for more than 50 years in this country alone. We've done more than uh, 10 over the last five years without any incidents. And they are, so these technologies that the bill does provide for technologies that take due uh, cognizance of the environment and do call on the operators or insist on operators putting mitigation measures in place. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Chair. I think there are two questions that are left. Uh, DM uh, did touch on one of them on um, uh, what measures are put in place to, ad to address the highly skilled uh, requirements of the industry. Uh, the Petroleum Agency Chair does have an upstream training trust, which uh, our holders contribute towards annually. And that trust, we issue uh, bursaries to students 